What's up, nerds? Sean Moriarty here. This Sunday, March 2nd, we will be doing another live Oscar podcast. That's March 2nd at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Go to nerdonomy.com and click on the banner to listen to us do what we do best. And now, here's your podcast. Listening to Nerds on Film with Sarah Ashley, Brian Moriarty, and Sean Moriarty. So, being that the Oscars are just upon us, let's kind of keep up the Oscar theme here. What movie nominations have been the most surprising to you guys in are the the recent years that you can remember? Most recently, probably Beast of the Southern Wild. You think that one was surprising? It was a surprise to me, yeah. It was an interesting movie, but I don't know if it was best picture material. Because, I mean, I figure, like, there's there's ways where things could be surprising in the sense that, yeah, you don't think that they're necessarily worth it or that you're surprised the Academy, you know, recognized it or whatever. I think for Beasts of the Southern Wild, I think it was probably more of a surprise that it was being recognized. Well, I've noticed in the past year, few years that the Academy has tried to diversify its nominees. This is true. So they do try to bring up more independent movies, a la, like, Winter's Bone couple years before that which was great uh actually i didn't think it was all that good really personally I, no jennifer lawrence was great in it but that movie is like a roller picture. coaster that just goes straight down and then stops yeah exactly it just it didn't seem to have which i of... enjoy stuff like that sometimes but i can see why you didn't like it oh, yeah okay. um, i think for beast of the southern wild it's like brian's saying they're trying to diversify especially with the fact that they have 10 nominees now but it's also i think people recognize the movie getting nominated is such a big deal that it's also kind of a, a tool it's sure. kind of like politically they can select these movies to get people and and show people different sides and kind of elevate i mean look what the nomination for winner's bone did for jennifer lawrence oh yeah right. absolutely right. i yeah. kind of want to argue with that the fact that they're up to 10 nominees now i think means that it means a lot less well at the same time the goal of the academy is to preserve and promote film right so if they think that by nominating a, a best picture nominee they can get more people to see it uh, but what they what, what they deem is a good work a best picture nomination become a participation trophy Oh, it is. That is a good argument. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't like but saying I mean, it, but it's got how to many that movies are made every year? Then they only select ten. I mean, well, it's true. I mean, five and ten. It's a minuscule change. Well, the well, question, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like without a paddle was never going to get. But nominated. we're forgetting guys, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, it still has to be like a good movie. But I mean, if they had kept it to five, which I, I personally would have preferred, that's saying these are the best five. Then it's like. Well, there are so many good ones. Now we've got the best 10. And I'm like, no, stick with the best five. That way it's still very prestigious and you're not kind of going, well, these guys, they're like honorable mentions. Let's not forget, though, that the reason those films even get nominated is because somebody submitted them to be recommended for nomination. It, there is a vetting process before you even get nominated. Those kind of films, if we're talking about the more independent films won some award at a qualifying festival and the producers just decided, well, why not? Let's just give it to them. Let's just submit it. And then a bunch of people went to a series of screenings and voted right. on that film. It wasn't like one amalgamous council was like, we choose this film. Sure. Guilty. <laughs> Guilty. Trial by combat. 
guilty. Well, before, yeah, we're doing Superman. <laughs> we're doing the judges from Krypton all of a sudden. Before <laughs> we completely shoot our wad on the actual topic of Amen. the episode, uh, I think what was really surprising to me was the winner in 1998, which was Shakespeare in Love. Totally. I think it's a great movie. I do not think that it was Oscar worthy and certainly not worthy to win over the other things that were nominated that year were Elizabeth, Life is Beautiful, Saving Private Ryan and Thin Red Line. And if anything, I mean, Saving Private Ryan probably deserved it. And I, I even though, yeah, OK, maybe it's Oscar bait. OK, but so can, can we go over those again? So it was Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Life is Beautiful, right? Saving Private Ryan and Thin Red Line. Well, we knew that Life is Beautiful wasn't going to win because nobody wanted to sit through Roberto Benigni's fucking speech. He would have just been up there like trying to hug everybody backstage. Right. Well, that also, I don't and, think like, a foreign climb, film has ever won Best Picture. Climb the curtains. Uh, I don't oh, think a foreign yeah, film no, has ever won so Best either. Picture. So there's the odds working against it, too. Elizabeth was a great movie. I think Elizabeth was better than Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, yeah it was. And of course, that also introduced the role to Kate Blanchett. Too. Yeah, and it was a significantly better performance for Kate Blanchett than it was for Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm a little surprised that Thin Red Line made it on there. I liked it. Mm-hmm. It's but not Best Picture worthy. Yeah, that's though. another one where I'm just like, did they just not have a better fifth movie? All to right, so on let's there? just assume then that Hollywood was drunk in 1998. Well, I think what happened <laughs> is that I, I think the selection just wasn't there. Yeah, maybe. I, it may I, have I actually been on like, E well, because this is a right, good right, movie, movie and there was just kind of a... Right. Yeah, but the Thin Red Line also made it look like I, our, I agree the now. Pacific Theater was boring because nothing happened in that movie, really. Yeah. It, it, it's true. Through most of it. But that Pacific Theater was not boring. That's the thing. Yeah. It was a really, it was an equally bloody part of the war that the soldiers fought. And I know Eric would defend that with his, uh, with his life. So another surprise for me was um, in 2003, the year that Return of the King won, um, that Seabiscuit was nominated. That one just yeah. seems like whatever. Like nobody really cares about that movie now. Seabiscuit was one of those movies that you knew it was going to get nominated because just like everything about Again, it Oscar bait. was Oscar it's, bait. No, exactly. I, I have a theory. Okay. The people in the Academy, like we've said before, old Jewish white men, all were really big fans of Mr. Ed as children. <laughs> so they keep nominating horse movies like War Horse and fucking Seabiscuit. So for- well, and, well, and let's actually say this too, though, that Kathleen Kennedy was a producer on that. And Who Kat- works for Spielberg. Yeah, and right. so she, I mean, she knows yeah, how to play the game. She knows how to play the nomination yeah. game. The one movie that surprised me that I didn't even realize until a couple weeks ago when we were talking about this actually got nominated for Best Picture was Moulin Rouge. I totally forgot because that was my freshman year in college and I didn't have TV and I was partying and stuff, so I didn't really watch it and didn't even realize. And that surprised the hell out of me because it's a good movie, but it's also a very strange Baz Luhrmann movie. And it the is, fact that it was in there. It is very, very strange. I think what that was more was a recognition of the fact that Baz Luhrmann's a really good director and a really good storyteller. And the yeah. first musical that was nominated in a long time. Yeah, and yeah. I think they wanted to give it that, too. Because, I mean, was Chicago a nominee at some point? It was nominated a couple Chicago years won, later. Didn't yeah. it? It Chicago won. Oh, yeah, Chicago won the following year. Two years later. Best picture, yeah. No, following year. Yes, I'm sorry. Chicago did come out in 2002. Yes. Yeah, so, um, no, the year that Moulin on Rouge was nominated. It was against uh, The Fellowship of the Ring in the bedroom, which I don't even remember. Which one was that? Uh, that was the one about uh, Tom Wilkinson and it was uh, his and Sissy Spacek and their son had been murdered, I think. And huh. then the son had some skeletons was, in his closet. Was that, was Has that anybody a good seen one? it? No, I haven't seen it. Mm. Uh, Gosford Park and A Beautiful Mind. 
you know. um, and a beautiful mind won that year. Correct. Because you know, that. and that was a Ron Howard, a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> the, a beautiful mind is one of two movies that I've ever walked out of, and it's the only one that I walked out of against my will. Oh, you didn't walk out of that one on uh, like. No. Well, you I, I never Paul saw Bettany, the ending so. of that movie. Oh wow! And, Who like, made you leave? Uh, my work. I got called in. Oh, I was so pissed. You answered your phone. That was the mistake. Yeah, no, it was one of those things where I was on call and like they texted oh. me, and I'm just like, "Butt uh. sex." And it was like 20 minutes from the ending, and I'm just like, "You gotta oh. be kidding!" So it never got happy for you because that movie yeah. was pretty fucked up <laughs> up until that point. Well, yeah. So here's like how it ended. Movie. He won the Nobel Prize. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's made peace with all the people in his head. And there's a shot of them, much like the end of Return of the Jedi, where they're all like blue <laughs> and holograms. There. You know what, Sean? I, yeah. I'm never going to see that movie again just because I want to believe that that's how it ends. It's a pretty much like mind. that. He does look at all of them and just like look at them like, oh, you. These characters <laughs> in my brain making me do stuff. Well, it's actually funny because uh, in the special edition, uh, Paul Bettany was replaced by Hayden Christensen. Oh, God. He who shall not be named, Brian. He who shall not be named. <laughs> Every time you say his name, he gets a little bit of power. I feel like is. I feel like he really we, we, we is. We have probably... the trace charm on on Hayden Christensen's name or something. Yes, I feel like he's probably the most hated actor on this podcast. I, I kind of feel bad about yes, that. Yes, he is. And yeah. on that note, everybody, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Sean Moriarty. I am Brian Moriarty. And I'm Sarah Ashley. And with us tonight, one of Brian and I's oldest friends, the other Brian. Yeah, the other Brian, as we just call him, Nap, or Sergeant Nap. Yeah, buddy. Can I just say, though, that actually Brian's probably one of my oldest friends, too, just because I don't keep friends from, like, my childhood, but... Why? I, I don't know. I just don't have a lot of friends from high school still. Secret answer, Sarah killed all of them. Right. But no, because I met Brian Knapp at the same time that I met Brian Moriarty. And so, This yeah. is true in the middle met, of a Brian sandwich. You met, you met us, wow. I met uh, both of you guys in 2005. Yeah, with, but I think you met us like six months apart from one another, another mm, though. No, actually right about the same time. Okay. It was all in that same span. I thought you met Knapp in like early 2006. I don't think so. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Point anyway, me. the topic for tonight is um, everything the need, Oscars the need for blackface to come back and you you just sit in that corner for like two minutes okay you're on timeout and back we're back well we're back but the real subject of tonight is um, basically everything Oscars we want to talk to you about the nomination process and the politics involved, or as Brian likes to argue, the non-politics. And I never said it's completely non-political. I okay. just don't think it's as political as people think it is. Okay. And I think uh, we're also going to kind of talk about some of the fun stuff, the fun little factoids. Live. Frankly, we see multiple people at the Oscars over and over again, the, the Meryl Streeps and the Scorsese's. Um, and so we're going to kind of talk about that, too. So to kick it off... Brian, why don't you start us off and, and really get into the nitty-gritty of the nomination process. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Um, actually, I'm pulling up the nomination bylaws as we speak because they are available online. They are. For everyone to read. So on the Academy website, this is simply just dubbed Rule 4, Submission. And you can actually tell that the... Uh, <laughs> oh, sounds like a porno. <laughs> it totally oh, does. Yeah. Rule 4, Submission. Um, rule... No, it's rule... Like, 4 is in between 3 and 5. Rule 34? Rule four submission is going to be my rule four, as in more than three. Are you sure it isn't figure four submission? (laughs) 
As in, thou shalt not count four, nor thou shalt not count two. <laughs> five is right out. You shalt, th- shalt not, not count two unless immediately followed by three. Five is right out. That kind of four. Yeah, okay. Every award shall be conditioned upon the delivery to the Academy of one print or one copy of every film nominated for final balloting for all Academy Awards. Such print or copy shall be in a format of a quality equivalent to the film's theatrical release. If a film exists in more than one format, then the the version deposited shall be the film print. Such print or copy shall become the property of the Academy, with the proviso, however, that the Academy shall not use such print or copy for commercial gain. Such print or copy shall be deposited with the Academy and, subject to matters not within its control, shall be screened by the Academy for membership in advance of distribution of final ballots, which is from the Academy Bylaws, Article so 8, Section 6. So that's basically there so they can make copies and hand them out for free if they want to to the people who need to see it. Correct. And yeah. legally they can, they can. And this is the actual text that they say. Every award shall be conditioned upon the execution and delivery to the Academy by the recipient thereof of a receipt and agreement reading as follows. This is all very legal speak. Gentlemen, which totally dates this. Gentlemen, I hereby acknowledge receipt of Academy regulations for use of the Academy Awards statuette and the phrase Academy Awards in advertising. In consideration of the signing of a similar agreement by other Academy Award nominees, I agree to comply with said said regulations. Blah, 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 blah. I agree that, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, if we're going to go in legal terms. And then they have an agreement and they sign. (laughs) Thanks, Willy Wonka. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mirus purum purificatum! You stole fizzy lifting drinks! You both ended up into the ceiling, which both has to be washed and sterilized, so you get nothing! You lose! Good day, sir! Okay. Okay, I wasn't gonna take it that far, but, um, (laughs) cool. Sorry, it's just, I love it. The snozzberries taste like (laughs) snozzberries. So here's what you have to be to be, this is rule two, this is, this is eligibility. So in order to qualify as a feature length film, you must be over 40 minutes in length, must also have been publicly exhibited on either 35 millimeter or 70 millimeter film, or in a 24 to 48 frame progressive scan digital cinema format with a minimum projector resolution of 2048 by uh, 1080 pixels, which is essentially the same 231 to 1 aspect ratio just for digital format than it is for for film. Um, And they give a very specific format and video codec and exactly what the compression method was, all this stuff, very, very specific in order for it to be eligible. Must have been exhibited for paid admission in a commercial movie theater in Los Angeles County for at least seven days. Um, It must have been advertised and exploited in the the Los Angeles County Exploited? That's what it says, yeah. In the Los Angeles County qualifying run customary to industry practice and within awards year deadline specified in Rule 3, which is essentially by December 31st of the previous year. I think we all know the Academy laws yeah. and bylaws. The, the, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the other thing is that you also have to win at a major festival. That's one thing that they, they stipulate here as well. You have to have won uh, a major award at a qualifying festival. Oh, well, and that's one of the other three things I'm doing wrong. Basically, if your film was in L.A., for a week before December 31st, it was and done in an industry. To see it. You paid to see it, and it was an industry standard format. And then you submit the film to the Academy, you can get nominated. And you win some sort of an award. Yeah. Correct. But the nomination, it's not like these people look at all the films and then nominate based on what they've seen. You have to give it to them and say, I am 
submitting this for nomination in order to be nominated. Do you know how many porno movies back in the day of porno theaters were eligible just because they played in L.A. County for more than seven days? Son, there are still porno theaters, rest assured. I'm just saying, you know, Midnight Cowboy was an X-rated movie. It's the only X-rated movie to to win Best Picture. So, you know, in a world where that happens, there is hope for Janet Jameson yet. In a world where they still had X-rated movies. Okay, there you go. That's all the stuff you need to get in order to be able to submit. But there's like 6,000 members of the Academy, and you have to try and basically race to get every one of those people to see your movie and to love it. So they do special screenings. People like send out mailers and There DVDs. are trades. In all the industry trades, like backstage and variety, mm-hmm. they do have for your consideration and little ads that they take out. That is totally true. Yeah. There is a campaigning process. I have never once denied that. Yeah, no, there's definitely there's definitely a lot of work in advertising your movie to Academy members. But there are also strict regulations against bribing for votes. Right. In fact, we saw it this year with uh, I'm Alone Yet Not Alone rescinded its nomination because the member who submitted that film for nomination was a former governor and he used his political oh. sway within the academy mm. to get that film nominated. So th- there is case in point proof okay. that over campaigning does work against you. Yeah, yeah. And those members of the academy, those 6,000 something members are the ones who nominate you. They have to submit their ballots um, in January, I believe. Yeah, it's it, they go out in very early January, and then they the ballots are tallied and by an, counted yeah. by an accounting firm by Pri, uh, Price Waterhouse Coopers. Correct they're for the, nomination as well. Yeah, yeah, they're the ones who handle all of it. What's interesting about this too is so the members of the Academy, they're all people who have either won Academy Awards before or people who um, have been nominated into the Academy by their peers. And how people vote. Makeup artists are voting for makeup artists. And the composers are voting for composers, Correct. It is only the entire Academy that votes for the final awards. But mm-hmm. nominations, you are nominated by your own branch of the Academy. Yes. Correct. Yeah. So I will say that there's a lot um, of validity to those specific things. I think... Within the uh, animated feature film and foreign language film categories, nominations are selected by a vote of multi-branch screening committees. Correct. Those are the only time exceptions to that rule. Yeah. And also those don't exclude you, with the exception of the short films, those don't exclude you from nomination from Best Picture. Right. Either. And then once the nominees are selected, then everybody votes. And again, PricewaterhouseCoopers is the ones that handle it, and nobody sees the results until they are being opened on the TV screen in front of all y'all. Correct. They literally, the accountant from Price Waterhouse, Cooper, literally hands the envelope to the presenter and it is in a briefcase that is handcuffed to that man's hand the entire time. Yeah. I think his wrist must be in agony by the end of that <laughs> Probably. That's how the military does it. That's how seriously those guys take it. Yeah. That's and there is actually, deal. there is a computer in there for detonating a nuclear weapon. Just in case the president goes down, they figure George Clooney will do. <laughs> Wait a second. Is the guy armed as well? No, he's not armed. Well, then oh, I thought you were asking the about the point? military. So I'm like, run by, fucking cut duh. off his arm with a machete. It's a and steel take... fucking briefcase. He could beat the guy to death with it if he needed to. Well, because Jet Li is the guy with the briefcase. Exactly. Oh, okay. They're actually ninjas at PricewaterhouseCoopers. Yeah. <laughs> I would feel better if it was Jet Li every year. It's true. You he must be always had that blank look on his face. I swear to God, this is the truth. In order to work at PricewaterhouseCoopers, you must be a CPA with seven years' experience, and you must also have five years of experience in Aikido. So. <laughs> Well, wow. There you go. So it is interesting because you would think that there would be a lot of fairness and diversity, I guess, in the, to the extent where people are nominating their peers. 
But at the same time, at least as of, I believe, 2012, where the article that I, I snagged had this information, at the time, in 2012, the median age of everybody in the academy was 57, and they were white males. With the exception of the current president. The, this is why I said this was 2012. So, yes, yes the, current, the current president is Rachel Boone Isaacs, and she is a black woman. Um, and she very specifically has been asked about adding diversity to the Oscars because, let's just be honest, it hasn't been the most diverse award show as of late or just in the past years. And what she said on it, she said, I believe very strongly that the entertainment and motion picture business is going to be more open and aware of different voices. Um, she said, for her, diversity is more about different narrative voices rather than skin color, gender, or religion. Right. Put simply, people with different experiences have different stories to tell. So and that, I to me, seems like a way of saying, yes, you can expect more diversity, but at the same time kind of appeasing the people who are already in the Academy of not making them feel threatened or wrong for how they voted in the past. Well, hang on a second, because I want to talk a little bit about what qualifies you to be a member of the Academy. Okay. There's a couple ways you can become a member. And there's I also, think Sarah already said those ways. Well, yes, but but the other thing is that you don't stay a member for life. There, the only time you're, you're a member for life, I think, is if you've won an Academy Award. You actually can lose your Academy membership if you're inactive for a long enough period of time. I know, like you said, if you've been nominated, you can totally win. But you also can be invited. And you, like you said, you can also be invited. Mm -hmm. But there's, like, different members within the, the awards. You, like, if you're a governor, you have a much higher weight. You actually deal with the political process of, of the nominations. They're like a example. platinum member. Exactly. Like Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, I don't think he got nominated this year because of the fact that he's a governor on the acting division. Interesting. So there, there are things that really have to be considered behind the scenes here as well. Um, I think he didn't get nominated just because his movie was decent, but not good enough. Fair enough. And exactly. And that that's the point, too, is that, you know, these are ultimately people. Yes, these are people who are in the who for the longest period of time were essentially the heads of studios are very, very you know heavy weighting people like Frank Capra, you know, lots of, you know, of course, Gregory Peck was the president of it for a long time. I feel like I need to get back in here real quick because somebody's probably going to get pissed off at that statement. I love Tom Hanks. Yeah, I know you love Tom Hanks, and I love Tom Hanks too. Everybody here loves Tom Hanks. Nobody loves oh, Tom, hail Hanks. Tom Hanks. Hail Tom Hanks. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I don't want it to sound like I don't think he's good. Like, who the fuck am I to say that Tom Hanks isn't good enough? But it's right. just like we, we've all seen him just be such an amazing character in so many movies that he really put the bar for himself I know, so right? high. Sure. That it's just at this point. I mean, I feel anything short of perfection from him. Sure. If Hayden just, Christensen is the most hated actor on this podcast, Tom I'm going to say that Tom loved. Hanks is probably it, the most loved. You know, I feel yeah. terrible saying this just because I don't hate Hayden Christensen that much. And I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I don't hate Hayden Christensen that much. All right. I, I do not think he was the strongest choice for, you know, the Lord of Darkness and sure. Destruction and Unbound Wrath. Right. But. I agree. I, I think, you know, for, <laughs> for Emo Vader, he did a pretty good job, and okay. there could have been worse people. So, in the off chance that Hayden Christensen is listening to this, I'm in your corner, buddy. There, there, could, there could have been worse people, Um. Anakin could have started off as a little girl, and that would have been a very interesting choice. Let's, uh... <laughs> I, I don't mean to get off on a tangent, yeah. but apparently, like, the kid that played little Annie 
like he, he hates, hates the Star Wars. Oh yeah, you know, I know. He I gets know. pissed off when you talk to him about so it too. I feel so bad for that guy. Steering us back on course for a moment. Sorry. <laughs> for, sorry. sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Somebody said something about Star Wars. Yeah. And I just... uh, well, you did. Actually. You, you said the. <laughs> you said Hayden Christensen, and I was just all right, like, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. You, anyway, back uh, to the Academy. So yes, you have the Academy, who is full of people who, for the longest time, were head haunters at studios because a lot of times they were executive producers on the films, and therefore granted them admittance to the Academy. I mean, Louis B. Mayer was one of the founders. You know, right. he was a studio head, and yet he was a producer of all of the MGM's movies. So sure. there is kind of that connection there. But because of what we just said, because of being invited to join and being accepted into membership because you've been nominated, the more independent films that they're accepting into that category, they are automatically diversifying that voting base. Definitely. Because they, they're now pulling it and making sure that it's not just people who are in the mainstream industry who are making these decisions now. Because I think everybody who goes into that award ceremony and I mean this 100%, genuinely loves movies and genuinely is an artist. And they're there because they want to show appreciation for some of the, be the what they genuinely thought was the best work of that year that was submitted to them, of course. Sure. And I think, I, I do think it is getting better. I will not say that the system's perfect yet. And it, maybe it won't be for a very long time. I mean, and because ultimately what a lot of the people in the Academy will vote for is they do kind of use a lot of popular opinion, too. In the past, more so more so than not, and I'm not talking recent years, of course, but more so than not, they're picking movies that were more box office hits than were other movies. Um, and so I think there's a lot more to that. that if, if you look at it, 1933, Cavalcade was arguably a better movie, but I Was a Fugitive from the Chain Gang was the one that won, and that one was a bigger box office draw. Was that a basis of uh, Les Miserables, by the way? Because it... The Fugitive from the Chain Gang is like a quote from the book. That's why I'm asking. I don't know. Hmm. Oh, that lame is still with you. It, it will always be with me. The book was you, better. You can't, you can't do that show and not carry a piece of that with you. Which, by right. the way, I thought was a very worthy Best Picture nomination, sure. by sure. the way. Um, since I bring it back on topic. Right. 1966, A Man for All Seasons won over Who's Afraid of a Virginia Wolf, which is a fairly high, highly acclaimed um, play and movie. Well, it's also very controversial at its time because it had a lot of profanity in it. Sure. Um, and then, you know, make it a little bit more recent. You know, we're talking Shakespeare in Love over Saving Private Ryan. And then 1989, Driving Miss Daisy over My Left Foot. That's a tough call. My Left Foot it's was really an amazing, amazing movie. Driving Miss Daisy was really good too. But, but to be fair, also, I think My Left Foot pushed the envelope a little bit more. But they also got and that's probably why it didn't win, like we talked about before. That's, but they did yeah. the they, one that makes you more comfortable, the one that's more safe. Sure. But they did also get their acting awards for that movie too. Yeah. Daniel Day Lewis yeah. still. I'm, I'm gonna won that I'm award. gonna agree and dissent at the same time with that. It depends on the movie whether it's the movie that makes you more comfortable that wins or the one that pushes the boards. But there, I mean. Being edgy is well. I guess that's more recently. Like being edgy is just the flavor of the day, man. That's people want a movie that touches on those you know social taboos that people don't want to talk about or the stuff that's going on that we just kind of yeah you know push to the corner of our I, mind. That recently that's been the way it works. So I guess I guess you're right for the time period that it was much more well. We're more comfortable with this. Uh, but nowadays, it seems like it started shifting the other direction. You're right, Brian. But I wasn't. I wasn't talking about being on, like comfortable with the win. I'm talking about how it, the movie makes the audience feel. Like we were talking about, Forrest Gump does not alienate anybody. And, and I think audience response is my, my speak left more. foot probably 
alienates more people than I mean, because everybody knows old people are adorable. <laughs> everybody loves old people. I that's do. why. I mean, look at Up. They Up was nominated for Best Picture. Right. Well, that's why I loved Amor so much. It was really sad, but I loved it. Um, Amor was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking, but I swear to God, that movie, that movie did it for me. That was the one that I was like, please win everything. And it's because uh, it hit home, too. Yeah. I, I didn't see Amor. Oh, my God. I'm a horrible human being. I, no, it just, uh, like, thinking about it makes me want to cry. But um, I think, to a certain extent, yes, you wanted to rely on what general audiences are saying, but also... These are highly respected artists in the community, and they have a certain amount of, of gravitas in order to say, like, this is expanding the medium. This is something that's that's helping, you know, do better. So can we, f like, where are the movies that are pushing the envelope, expanding the genre, expanding the art form, and also appealing to the audiences? Well, I That's agree what makes a best picture. I agree with that to a, to a, a point. I also feel like if you're looking at a whole year of films, you got to look at the films that were, even though, yes, that you should be looking for ideally what is pushing the medium forward. You should also look at, well, what is the most representative of this year? How do these movies represent this last year culturally? Okay. You know? Something that, that adds to the, the cultural zeitgeist. Right, exactly. And, and that includes the controversies of the year and not just the norms of that year, too. Yes, but at the same time... I like I look at stuff and I think what's going to be culturally relevant 50 years from now. Sure, but you can and never that's, and, and that seems like that, it seems like they're almost in direct conflict just like the whole pushing the envelope and you know not alienating people. It's hard to push the envelope it without alienating people. And what kind of what Sean and I were going at a, a couple of minutes ago is pushing the envelope and and doing that stuff is going to alienate people and in a way like nowadays it's like if you are alienated by the film, it's almost like it's your problem. You know, That's it, interesting. it doesn't seem as it doesn't seem so much as if they have to appeal to the audience as if the audience is more at the mercy of them. It's like, well, this is a good movie. If you don't like the subject well, matter, so that's what I'm saying. Like it would in a perfect world, the best picture winner would be doing both. Oh, well, yeah, in a perfect world, in a perfect world. But, but we're talking about realistic movies sure. being realistically nominated and realistically winning. Sure, sure. So, and that's going to be hard to do. And it's just if if you can find something that is relevant now, mm -hmm. that it's still going to be relevant 50 years from now, power to you. But yeah. I, I just think it's super hard to find. It is yeah. really hard to find because if we want to say that things that are going to be representative of the year or of the time, then I would argue that this year her should be winning as over something else like, say, 12 Years a Slave or yeah. Dallas Buyers Club. To clarify, what I mean is of nominations. Okay. Those should speak to what represents the year culturally, historically. Who wins is I just genuinely think it's a vote. I generally think it just becomes a crapshoot. Okay. Yeah. And more often than not, yes, the movie tends to be the one that was the most significant, but not always, right? Look at Shakespeare and Love, like we were talking about before. Right. Or Chicago. Chicago was a great movie. Definitely, if you've seen the stage show and the movie, a totally unique and original take right. on the musical. But was it Best Picture? Mm, probably not. Probably not. That's and... coming back to earlier, Saving Private Ryan was one of those things where I'm just like, I... This is something that's always going to be of interest. This is yeah. the greatest, war well, 
not greatest as in like awesomest war, but I mean like this is like the biggest war we've had thus far. I mean it was yeah. It was we haven't so... had a world something big enough to be called a world war since. How crazy so. you think that movie's fifteen years old already? Oh my god, it makes me feel old. That car right. that that movie can get its learned permit now. One of my favorite movies ever made. Fifty years from now, I'll be watching that with my grandkids. The, you know, God willing. It was unbelievable because Spielberg saw these pictures. I just to make a little this little anecdote. He wanted for the opening scene of that movie. He wanted to get as much of a feeling like you were in the boat with these guys as he could. So he found these photos from a soldier who was also a photographer who shot photos of, of him being in Normandy. And he shot hundreds of photos. Eleven of them, or is either nine or eleven of them, are left. He took those and gave them to the cinematographer and said, I want it to feel like these nine photos. And there are some shots that are exactly representing those photographs with the exact angle and composition. And it's really so well researched and so brilliantly done i agree i, I agree it's a fantastic movie yeah. and it will go down in history it's probably the one of the most honest depictions of what world war ii was liking it being a totally fictitious story at the same time right so totally fictitious i i mean the characters were all made up but yeah the the con yes yes obviously the world war ii actually happened it's not cover up <laughs> But I mean, okay, so here's the thing. We're talking about Steven Spielberg, and Spielberg is fantastic, which is why we see him at the Oscars a lot. Every single damn year, practically. Pretty much. I mean, War Horse, a movie about a horse. Now, granted, it is a brilliant play. It is a brilliant play. And to be honest, if Spielberg can make the horse the main character and make the movie still interesting, the man is a fucking genius. I mean, he honestly, yeah. this is my own bias. But he did. I was with the horse the whole time. And the, the, the emotion they got out of the horse. Oh I've my talked God. about it before. The part where the horse is running through the battlefield and it gets caught up in the barber. And like, I was bare. My face was buried in my scarf and I was sobbing. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but I'm also an avid animal lover. So like that, I, that's, that was There's just that. to be expected. I, see, I, was I still cry at Homeward Bound. The, the only thing. <laughs> Shadow. Shadow. Um, the, the. Go on without me, pup. Oh. Uh, the, sorry. The one thing I was hoping in that scene, though, the one thing I thought could have been better, and I know it would have totally violated the play, was to see him finally conquer his fear and jump over the hurdle. Oh. Yeah. That would, But that would have been the cookie cutter, Yeah. he learned something ending. Right. He overcame something ending. But yet, ultimately, spoiler alert, the boy does get reunited with the horse. Oh, I thought you were talking about the sixth sense. I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> and not a the boy and a horse and a happy ending. Sounds like a great weekend for me. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, dear, dear God. Sean, go back to your corner. <laughs> All right, I'm back. I'm you stay in there for five minutes Can now. I get some water? No. <laughs> you have to just stare at the wall. <laughs> Think about what you did. And no, you're not allowed bathroom breaks. You pee on that wall. But we all know that there's actually... The Oscars are very, very interesting just to kind of see what's happening in Hollywood at the time. I mean, frankly, with the first Oscars, the first actor to win a Best Actor award was Rin Tin Tin the dog. So, I mean, obviously the Oscars have come a long way. Yeah. Oh, and funny to note, I, this was in the notes I gave you guys. I didn't realize that the first few years of the Oscars... Actors weren't being nominated for specific performances. They were being nominated for like their body of work that year. Yeah, yeah so exactly. clearly Rin Tin Tin had a very good year. Um, yeah, because he was probably in like 50 movies. Yeah, and there was no supporting. It was just actor or actress. I, I kind of think that like they shouldn't be nominated for specific movies. It's interesting. I, yeah, that, would, that would make me happy. Like Because, I don't know, it just seems like if you know Steve Dave makes one 
really awesome movie that's just not quite there. And then another. Did you real... say Steve Dave? Steve Dave is my example name. No, tell him Steve you're, Dave. You're true smotomite, as, right. as we would call him. If Rogelio makes a really good movie that just doesn't <laughs> quite make it, and then makes another really good movie that just doesn't quite make oh. it, and then makes another really good movie and then doesn't quite make it, <laughs> all in one year, I, I think that Rogelio should still be... <laughs> What? What? <laughs> You're like that really weird teacher that always puts odd names in all their word like, problems. If if Jean-Pierre decides, <laughs> does 12 really bad movies, but one really, really good movie, he should get a pass. <laughs> we love you, Nap. We love you. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. If a guy's, if no one work from a specific actor was that outstanding, but they were all really good, I still think that they should be considered just in general. Yeah, it would be funny. It's like, Bless Meryl Streep got nominated, yet she was not in a film this year. Go <laughs> figure. This is because um, she's awesome. She's awesome in everything and always. Right. Except she's the River just, Wild. Just, you're now a perpetual nominee. Okay, just... no. No, no, Sean. She was okay, great okay. in that she movie. She was great in that movie. Just because the Sorry. movie sucks and, doesn't mean that she's bad in it. And let's I'm also... not having fun in this corner. I have to keep coming back. <laughs> he says as he unspools a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> it's because he's trying to blow his nose or his wide his nose does, um, really does your dick make that noise <laughs> oh wow too much information there um it's, it's it's my i'm the only guy with a urethra that has a septum that i know of <laughs> <laughs> there's two lanes wow that is fascinating and they come and out in different colors like those double puff paint things it just one it, one side has glitter, the other one doesn't. Let's let's I'm move try, on. I was trying to get on the joke the... is a horse that we are beating and it's dead. Okay, so it is not a war horse, however. That that horse did not die. Spoiler well, alert. I, I was going to make a quick point too, okay. is that on that same token, the Academy Awards have changed quite a bit as well because they started off being done in the in the ballroom of I think the Beverly Hills Beverly Hilton Hotel, and then they've progressively moved into different auditoriums. It was in the Shriners Auditorium for many years, and then finally moving to its current location on Hollywood and Highland. Also, the fact that, how about up until 19, the 1940s, the awards were announced before the actual ceremony. That is too. true. Everybody knew about it beforehand. Some actors would actually read the papers before to see if they were going to go to the awards because they didn't. They weren't sure if they wanted to waste their time. Right. But it was, I think, in 1940 where they broke it too soon. One of the papers broke it way too early, and they decided ever since that year that they would announce them at the ceremony. Which is great. They get a bigger draw. There's more suspense. You get honest reactions from the actors uh, and directors and all the people when they win. And uh, you fill the house, and then that's how we employ seat fillers. And that's also how we employ Jetly with a briefcase. Exactly. So I think that was a really smart decision on their part. <laughs> Agreed. It would help if the guy was always shaved bald. What? The guy the with the guy who holds the the case. Oh, well, then it would be Jason Statham with a briefcase. Yeah, Jason Statham works. Jet Li, uh, Tony Ja from Ong Bak, but he'd have to shave his head, and he has those gorgeous locks. I just couldn't imagine him without him. <laughs> great. All right. And I think, need a, I think we need <laughs> to have like a. Fetish? I oh, think we need to have like a neck tattoo in there. Also, I think that's important. It's got to be an eight ball neck tattoo. Personally, scar I think over he should eye. be. Personally, I think if we're going with the shave bald thing, I think they should all dress like your old Brenner in The King and I. Okay. Just to really sell it, guys. I'm just gonna put this out here. It is a puzzlement. <laughs> 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 Who 
who is going to win? It is a puzzlement. I th- Jesus Christ. I Lord think Brenner. we should do an action movie based on the guy who has the briefcase. <laughs> the guy. Don't, like, I think that would be an amazing movie. when Jason movie. Statham hosts the Oscars. They're going to do that. Yeah, he jumps out of a helicopter at the end, which explodes, and he dives headfirst like Batman through a glass ceiling, lands on the stage. I think it should right be like it. one of those things, like this is his journey to go from his office at PricewaterhouseCoopers and has to like go on some like crazy action-packed adventure where he's fighting oh. off all the people who are trying to get the briefcase, and he's just got to get to the Oscars in time. Yeah, it should be all parkour too. Like yeah. B-13. They're <laughs> just jumping over everything. <laughs> like Crank, crazy. but for the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> this case is hooked up to your testicles. <laughs> They're going to explode if you're not within 20 feet of the stage by this time. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be amazing. All right. That movie needs to get made. Let's digitally bring back Dennis Hopper. You yes. you announce the winners when I say you announce the winners. There we go. Oh, my God. And that's the bad guy in the whole thing. Oh, my God. We just came up with the best movie ever. Jason Statham and Dennis Hopper in The Ghost of Dennis the nominees. Hopper. Do you the know nominees. what an Oscar is? No, and it's a cheap gold statue. The movie, uh, the movie we call And the Winner Is. Yes. <laughs> Done. Jason Statham, I hope yeah. Hollywood. To this. If you'd like to buy our idea, you can reach us at the Nerd Cave in San Jose, California. Yeah, right now we have copyright on it, though. One, two, six. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling that right now. In fact, I'm calling copyright on Jason Statham. Because <laughs> you can do that. You'd be like, copyrighted mine. I'm copyrighting Jason Statham. Some gits told me I can't use my name in a movie. He's going to have to change his name to something else, like Huge Ackman. Huge Ackman. Yep. That's my porno name. I'll give it to him, and I'll be Jason Statham. <laughs> yes. He I'm could, all for Nap robbing Jason Statham of his name. He could also be Brian Nap if he wants to, but I don't think he'll appreciate that one. I don't think we've seen that or that doesn't student. go well with James Woods and Peter Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> James Woods. All right. So, Sean, why don't you? Uh, li- I'm like, uh, there was no I'm way to cut s- that into so many more episodes. James, James Woods, just randomly. Is Peter <laughs> James Griffin Woods. Now? <laughs> I think tonight we're talking about Casino. James Woods. <laughs> Tonight we're talking about Moonstruck. James Woods. He wasn't in that. I was about to say Home Alone. Oh, God. He was in Home Alone, though. So when I was saying that, oh, yeah, Steven Spielberg's always at the Oscars, let's talk about some of the really awesome, fantastic people who have garnered themselves multiple nominations um, time and time again and uh, multiple wins and stuff. Sean, you pulled out like a really, like a crap ton of awesome factors, uh, or factoids, I should say. Yes, it all was from the runes. Really? When you said the runes, I'm just seeing Stardust like, do you work for my brother? Oh, no, sorry, (laughs) Wikipedia. Wikipedia is the runes. Sean, you're saying it wrong. It's not the runes, it's the runes. The runes. You must roll the R's. The way you say it, it always sounds like you're about to say... Legends of the Hidden Temple. Well, that's the whole point. Blue or Barracuda. Purple Parrots. It's supposed to sound. <laughs> it's supposed to sound British and ethereal. So, I mean, there's plenty of people who've had several nominations and few to no wins. Um, it took Randy Newman a long time to get any um, Oscars. I'm trying to figure out how many. Oh. Randy Newman. Yes, there you go. <laughs> can you hum the opening to "You Got a Friend in Me"? I can. Please. I'm not. <laughs> Do it. Da, 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 
You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. <laughs> I can't awful. do this. When the road, when the road looks, looks rough ahead, and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You, you just remember what your old pal said. Boy, you got a friend in me. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm sorry, you Randy Newman. got a friend in me. Randy Newman, you, Hayden Christensen, and Jason Statham and I can all go sorry. get drinks. I, had, I, I think had that was a it. loving impression. Whatever. I, I love Randy Newman. I think he's great. And really what about uh, the gentleman who has the most nominations and never won? Peter O'Toole. Peter O'Toole. Peter O'Toole. And like other possible Well, technically, name. he got a Lifetime Achievement Award, but... <laughs> and knowing Peter O'Toole, he probably went home and he's like... Fucking yanks with a like, fucking. He's like, I must totally do one more. Obligatory award. He's I must do one more film bitch. just to see if I still got it. He's and got, got nominated the next year and didn't DiCaprio win. Doesn't. Yeah, it's true. And I'm glad he got nominated this year for uh, for Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, nominated. I, that guy's got terrible luck, man. I he should have he, he should have been nominated for Django Unchained, but he wasn't. He really, really should have. That was amazing. Yeah. And oh, he... The thing that bothered me about Django Unchained was all like the chronological inconsistencies, like the historical problems that I had with it. I just... okay. Well, so sure, what but about it didn't have to do with his performance. Didn't have to do with his performance, though. What about Quentin Tarantino has ever screamed historical accuracy? I for know, you? I know, but I and like, I don't know what the hell was wrong with it. Like dynamite seen... wasn't invented yet. I was gonna say you've seen the last fifteen minutes of of Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. I know, I know. But I was just like, some part of me was just like, dynamite wasn't invented yet. I don't accept this at all. And then I'm like, the fuck am I doing? It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. He's exactly. Just, he just kind of goes, ah, da, 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 da. and then there's some guy over his shoulder going, that doesn't really make sense. And then he just slaps him and tells him to get back in his cage. Ex- yeah. Because it's fucking Quentin Tarantino. Pretty much. Does anybody know how many times um, Scorsese's been nominated? He's been nominated like, th- actually, he's been nominated a lot. I think he... We might actually need to double check this because I think he was nominated like ten times before he got no Scorsese? It's not anywhere near Scorsese there. I know he got nominated got... for Goodfellas, The no, Departed, he... which he won for Gangs of New York. He didn't win for. Okay, I was about to say I know he had. He's wins. only one. Were we equating him to Peter O'Toole? He's and only. Leo, or... He's only not been. He's only one for The Departed. He's never won another Academy because he's been not. That's the point is that he's been nominated a butt ton of times, like a whole butt ton. I think it's funny that Woody Allen, for the writing, oh. has, has the most nominations and the most wins, but how big of a difference it is. He's had... <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, he's had 16 nominations, but only won three times. But he still has the most writing Oscars of anybody. Yeah. Um, under Scorsese's direction, actors have continued... Blah, 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 blah. Um, so under his direction, there have been 22 Academy Award nominations. Sorry, he has been nominated nine times. For best director, nine you were close. times. I was very close, but he's only nine won times. Once. Nine times. He is nine. just leading you down the primrose <laughs> path. I have it right here in front of me. He has been sick nine, nine times. Nine times. Grace. Grace. <laughs> Sorry. Every single time somebody says nine times, I automatically go to Ferris Bueller. <laughs> so, getting back to the topic at hand, those are people who have been kind of cock-blocked before in the past. Sean, you've got the notes right in front of you. Walt Disney's been nominated like a 
Well, shit Disney has 22. the most Oscars of any man in the world. He has 22. 20. Yeah. But that's because he produced almost all of the early films from Walt Disney that's true. Company. Is that, is that as many I, as any other two people combined? Because it seems like it would be. It pretty much is. Yeah. It is. And he also won, has the record for most in one year because he won four in 1954. Fuck! Yeah. I'm sorry. That is just... No, it's fair, ridiculous. If you look at the Walt Disney Company now, even though Walt's been gone for 50 years at this point, their ratio of very successful, very high quality work to, to crap is still very, very high. It is still very high. If you're, I mean, I will admit that they're probably putting out way more like straight to DVD type quality stuff as mm, well. Tinkerbell 2, the search for more Tinkerbells. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing in I'm sorry. But I mean, seriously, like they're making sequels of everything. I know, I know. spinoffs and... Pinocchio 3. The search for more wood. <laughs> <laughs> or is that the adult film version? Oh. Mm. Tell me a lie again, Pinocchio. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, um, the woman who's won the most rose. awards is Edith Head. She won eight Oscars all for costume design. She did, and she's like, she is so notable that the character in The Incredibles with No Capes, Edna, is based on her. Yep. Yes. Adnan no Mhm. No capes. <laughs> no capes. Which is fu- actually funny. So Walt Disney having the most Oscars, having 22, is twice as much as the films that have won the most awards in one year. So like <laughs> Ben-Hur won 11 awards, Titanic won 11 awards, and Return of the King won 11 all but in the, the same of the damn King year. Holds a distinction Return of the King was a sweep because they won every award they were nominated for. Mm-hmm. That's not technically considered a sweep. A sweep is just whoever gets the most wins in one year. It has a one-for-one one <laughs> ratio for every nomination They just win. had a batting average of one, <laughs> which is just fucking amazing. Yeah. How many categories were there the year that Ben-Hur came out? Was What, what year was that? 19... 1959. 1959. How many categories were there? Because... I well, mean, there was... They got not... They won for best scene involving a chariot because that was... <laughs> well, obviously. Best... Best two-syllable <laughs> well, title. I'm just saying. I mean, I, I'm just saying. I, I, love, I love Lord of the Rings. I mean, second to Star Wars in my heart is Lord of the Rings, then God and Jesus. There and was then, also... Oh, my God! <laughs> there was also... Then best, America. There was also... <laughs> Best line delivered by Charlton Heston, uh, of which Ben Hur was nominated three times. Which strangely is still a category. Which is <laughs> right. Interestingly enough, apparently Ben Hur has Surely this. Actually, the when the God. when the writer wrote it, was very much intending for it to have like this gay backstory, and uh, they just never told Heston. <laughs> I forgot. They just wow. never told Charlton Heston because he's not particularly partial to that. I guess that. like somebody approached him about it. He was just You're like, going to no, give the most bullshit. conservative movie star ever to walk the planet. And gave him a super <laughs> duper duper gay role. <laughs> no, seriously though, I mean, if you if you consider the number of categories for, you know, when in 1959 when sure. Ben came out, and then when you compare that to what was it, 2003 for Return of the King? Yeah, and 1997 I mean, for Titanic. Fair, the, the uh, categories... Yeah, Titanic. I mean, that, that could be way more impressive on the part of Ben-Hur. I mean, to be fair, the categories have actually been mostly stable since the 1950s. They've added a new category here and there. But to compare it to, like, Titanic had 14 nominations and took home 11. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Um, I will say, I really... And I, I kind of mentioned this as, like, a joke a couple of podcasts back, I think... But I really feel it's true. I'm surprised that there is no Academy Award for stunt work. I know. Oh my god! They, they've yeah. actually they've they've tried. 
they've tried to uh, to get them, but has not won approval. I think there's I don't know what the process is for getting a new category. Which is, yeah, I just find that really interesting because I feel like there's so many of the offshoot categories that don't make it to the main show. And yet there's also like they've amended the best makeup award to be now best makeup and hairstyling. Sure. Yeah, so I don't know why stunt double work doesn't get appreciated because right. these are people who are, I don't know, jacking up their bodies like on a regular basis and putting their lives in danger. Stuntmen really are the unsung heroes of Hollywood. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and all those those big action movies, well, the vast majority of those big action movies are relying so heavily on the stuntmen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, who sits through and watches the credits and goes, man, you know... R.J. Reed is a really good action hero. Right. That guy is just doing all the work. I right. mean, there's a lot of awards that... I mean, keep in mind, pretty much most of the awards that are given by the Academy are given at the ceremony. The only ones they don't give are the Governor's Awards, which is a more recent adjustment, the, um, the Humanitarian Award, the Science Awards, and then the Student Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Like, every almost everything else... Is yeah. is given at that, and there's tons of other stuff that they haven't talked about. Like, how about best animator? You know, there's been some pretty spot on animation work. Well, the only issue with best animator is you've got entire teams, and do you have best animator and best animation team, or just best animation team? And if you've got, I mean, it's it's so much work for one guy to do a film, and it pretty much all gets lumped into best animated feature. What? Sorry, it just gets pretty much gets lumped into best animated feature. That's yeah. That's, you know. Or animated show. I also think there should be a voice acting uh, nomination, That too. would be great. The fact that for the last 10 years there's been Best Animated Features, there's no reason why you can't have Best Voice Acting work or have someone's Best Voice Acting also be nominated in Best Actor. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Best actor. They should, if they're going to not make a Best Voice Acting award, they should include voice acting work for animated films because in Best Because you know Robin Williams would have won that for Aladdin. Oh, yeah. oh, totally. Oh, God, yes. Yes. There seems to be some unbreakable trends, though. Like, even though we would like to think that a voice actor could be nominated for Best Actor, I think they'd have to make a special category because if you think about it, Best Film is Best Film, right? So that can encompass any kind of film. Yeah. A documentary has never been nominated for Best Film. Only a couple, only a handful of comedies. Only one fantasy film has won, and that's That's Lord of the Rings. Some sci-fi films have been considered star wars was the best picture nomination that didn't win just a subgenre of science fiction also when you think about it i I I think well we we, or or rather the other way around is what i meant uh science fiction i would say is is worthy of its own genre and i'll and and we talked we've talked about that it's all it all 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 blends in well not magic but it's all science as magic yeah we've had that discussion before (laughs) we've had we've had that debate no it's okay the whole best voice actor thing uh that's that's something where I mean, yeah, I could see it working. I think voice acting should be more recognized than it is. Yeah. I don't think it needs its own separate category. But I mean, like uh, the Lion King was it uh, Jeremy Irons mm, was just mm-hmm. fucking amazing. I yeah. was like, I was uncomfortable when he was speaking. I was like, man, this guy is just right. that good. Now right. you'd be happy to know that actually he didn't sing all of Be Prepared. He got uh, a, I think he got strep throat or, or laryngitis, and you know who had to finish singing for him? Who? Jim Cummings. Oh my God! All, all, Jim all, Cummings is my favorite voice actor of all time. If you guys the guy are wondering, is absolutely amazing. He's in so much stuff. 
anybody who's listening to this, if, if you're into like cartoons and video games and, and animated movies and stuff like that, go look up Jim Cummings. The guy's in so much stuff, it'll blow your mind. Folks, the voices that you might recognize him for today is he is the current voices of both Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. Oh. On, uh, uh, for Disney, and he was also the voice of Darkwing Duck. He was nice. The, he was the head guard in Aladdin. The you idiots, we've all got swords. Yeah, uh, he was Minsk in the Baldur's Gate series. Uh, for those of you PC gamers out there, which I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, there are a lot of you. Yeah, and Nap, you'll be happy to know that all the uh, the stuff that involved like real singing, singing was Jim Cummings. That is awesome. And uh, Jeremy Irons is one of my favorite actors. And Jim Cummings is, without contest, my favorite voice actor. So the fact that my favorite voice actor filled in for one of my like top five all-time favorite actors when he got you know laryngitis or whatever, I'm just like, ah, my, my Lion King erection just grew by like three inches. It, it, it did it, folks. We can witness it here. It's actually quite socially uncomfortable for I us. I just to accidentally witness. turned on the television set. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um so what other crazy records have um, have we gotten uh, over the past few years? Daniel Day-Lewis has the most Best Actor awards. He has three. Well, Jack Nicholson had the most acting nominations at 12. Correct. And as well, Tom Hanks and Spencer Tracy are the only two men who have ever won consecutively. Mm. Wait, uh, when did Tom, which which ones did Tom Hanks get consecutively? Philadelphia and Forrest Gump. Ah, yes, 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 yes. And he was nominated three years in a row. He would have again. He would have won for Apollo thirteen if it wasn't for fucking Nicolas Cage, and uh, leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> Not the bees. Not, Not the, the bees. bees. We should do a, an episode on the rise and fall of Nick Cage. Fucking Nicolas I, Cage. On that note, so Nick Cage won an Oscar, which I think is kind of it was for leaving Las Vegas, which everyone which attests to is, is, is a like great movie. Yeah. That is a really really good movie. Um. And then the most consecutive Best Actor nominations goes to Marlon Brando. Who was nominated four years in a row. Yeah, which yeah. is pretty remarkable. Uh, as far as directors go, well, actually, let's talk about yeah. Best Actresses. It's like, what, you're skipping over the um, ladies? <laughs> Catherine Hepburn mm-hmm. has four. And Meryl Streep, of course, even though she's only won three times, she has 18 nominations. Which is just fantastic. And she... if she wins this year, she will now tie Catherine Hepburn. Right? But I don't... Uh... I don't think she's going to I don't it. know, because Kate Blanchett, man, and Blue Jasmine, that's why. I think it's why. pretty much between those two. I think it is between those two. I mean, Blue Jasmine... I'm calling it right now. Blue Brian, Jasmine... what would you like to bet? I don't, I don't need to bet you, because I agree no, with come you. come on. Blue, Blue Jasmine... It's fucking interesting. Sean... <laughs> Blue Jasmine, even though I didn't care for the movie, I pretty much thought it was Blanche Dubois in San Francisco. I she did, loved it. She was fantastic. I think that was a really, I thought that was a really, really good movie. I thought it was just Woody Allen doing his best Woody Allen movie. It was the most depressing comedy I've ever seen. It in was my life. great. I love it. I love depressing comedies. It's weird. <laughs> uh, I should say it has the most depressing ending to a comedy that I've ever seen. But I felt like it was a really honest ending. Yeah. Um, you also have Louise Renier and Catherine Hepburn being the only two women who have won back-to-back. And then the most consecutive Best Actress nominations is tied between Betty Davis and Greer Garson. At five. At so five, exactly. suck it, Marlon Brando. Right? <laughs> Harrowing back to the old days of cinema. Yeah. It hasn't really been one since. And then, of course, directing, you've got Western great uh, John Ford with four wins, but William Wyler with 12 nominations. Holy crap. I know that's that's a crap ton, and he how many did that's he a win? Crap ton. It's like Brian. Why don't you bust Imperial out some William Wyler um, movies? Pretty sure he was in Breaking Two. Don't quote me. Electric like. Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. Step up to the no? streets. No, am I wrong? William step, Wyler. Step up three. Step upper. <laughs> William Wyler, even though he was nominated twelve times, won three Academy Awards. 
for directing. For which ones? Uh, well, let's talk about what he's been nominated for, and I'll mention which ones he's won. He won the uh, Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award in 1966. He has been nominated for The Collector in 1965. Ben-Hur, <laughs> oh, for okay. which he won. Great. I know um, Ben-Hur. Roman Holiday. Oh! For which, I know for which Roman he was Holiday. nominated but yeah. did not win. The Best Years of Our Lives is what he won for in 1946. Uh, Mrs. Miniver in 1942. Uh, Wuthering Heights in 1959. Oh, okay. oh nice. Yeah, yeah. Great. But so, not breaking two. Not breaking two. No, I believe he he was dead at that point. <laughs> or step up three. <laughs> this is where you can leave. <laughs> uh, and for screenwriting, pretty much the top the top ranking things for screenwriting both go to Woody Allen because he's got the most awards at three and the most nominations at 16. Um, but I, that doesn't really surprise me. Woody Allen is he's you know, a really when, good filmmaker. You know, when I when I write, I just I go to the typewriter and I just start putting in letters. They don't even have to make sense or even be full words and eventually I get a good script. There you go. <laughs> it, it helps if Soon Yi is under the table. Oh my god. Yeah. Like can, This is almost as embarrassing as that time I found Soon Yi's retainer in my zipper. Quoting <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Family Guy. Oh my god. Yeah, I so Woody Allen maybe not the most uh amiable guy in in real life, but Hey, he is the most talented daughter fucker I know. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> wow, you just said it. I just um yeah, he's he's a really good filmmaker. Name one person who's more talented than he is who nailed their own daughter. It it wasn't so much. It wasn't so much that Soon Yi was so tempting. It was that making love to Mia Farrow was like having sex with an ironing board covered in avocados. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! That is an actual quote. Oh my god! I just don't even know. <laughs> Two very small avocados. Oh Jesus! Wow. So anyway, the single films. We already like, mentioned that three films won 11 awards in one year, Ben-Hur, Titanic, right. and Lord of the uh, Return of the King. Two films won four. We also mentioned that two films have been nominated for 14 awards in one year. Uh, Titanic was 1997, but all about Eve Which as is well in 1950. a great movie. If we have an opportunity to talk about that one, I'd be more than happy to. Yeah. That, is, that is a fantastic movie. And we talked about movie. that the highest sweep, the golden sweep, if you will, was uh, Return of the King because yeah. it won all 11 that it was nominated for. Right. Uh, interesting choices, though. Frederick March, only actor to be nominated for Best Actor from a horror film because he was for Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Oh, okay. So only actor to ever been given that distinction. Uh, really? like, But it was a tie. I, I gotta say, Robert England never got anything. I know. Uh, and that was also important. I think he got a Lifetime Achievement MTV Movie Award. Speaking oh, of God. That, that's, a, that's a slap in the face. Robert England is just phenomenal, well, man. Everything about that guy just... Oozes terror. Speaking of uh, Frederick March, let's talk about the ties that have occurred in Academy Awards history. Oh, yeah. In 86 years, it's only happened six times. And speaking, so Frederick March in 1932 was tied with Wallace Beery, though he technically, Beery had one more vote, but because it was so close, statistically, it was considered a tie. So they, they granted it to both of them. Bullshit. Beery was cheated. <laughs> They both got their Oscars. They both got their speeches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, come I on. I bet Beery got played off. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> Getting played off has got to be a really good expression for something now. It's like, I don't know. I, just, it, it, I think it, it could sound like a sexual euphemism. I'm just saying. Okay. Nap, take five minutes to figure out what getting played off is. You, okay. you, you work on that, and we'll, we'll touch base with you in a second. I'll get back to you. <laughs> Thank you. Do you want to go and handle the next 
Few. Yeah, uh, best documentary short um, in 1949 was a tie for a chance to live and so much for so little. Which is important because this was a relatively new category. Documentaries weren't even introduced until the 1940s because yeah. of uh, World War II. Right, absolutely. Whatever you're done, I've got something. Oh, oh go ahead. That please. was fast. Wow. Getting played off is when your girlfriend just gives you a handy J so she doesn't have to deal with having sex with you. <laughs> <laughs> Does she hum while she's doing it? No, that's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, then. <laughs> that would be getting me, played off with gusto, though. It only counts if she says, you've gone on way too long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, it, so that's or what it, it is. It, it could also be used instead of, if instead, she's in, just tired of having sex exactly, with you. Exactly. That she hops she off, off exactly. You off. You, you, uh, but, bingo. But that's what getting played off is. We've, we've established it. Yeah. Um, in 1968, Best Actress was a tie, uh, Catherine Hepburn for Lion in Winter and Barbara Streisand for Funny Girl. And I'm not a huge Streisand fan. My mom definitely is. Um, I'm not like super duper huge on her, but Funny Girl is great. That is that is a really, really fun movie. And if you haven't watched it, do it. Um, and probably one of Barbara Streisand's best performances, in my opinion. Yep. Um, also, one of her most famous songs came from that movie, too. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, 1986, best documentary. Uh, Artie Shaw, Time is All You've Got, tied with Down and Out. In 1995, best short film, um, Franz Kafka's It's a Wonderful Life was tied with a movie called Trevor. And finally, last year, for the first time in 18 years, best sound editing, uh, was tied between Zero Dark Thirty and Skyfall. Skyfall. Which was cool because we got to witness what happened. So we we literally we got to see two different people come up in two different yep. acceptance speeches. They didn't have to split the time, which is really cool. And uh, <laughs> and a handful of times there were um, nominations that happened like where people were nominated twice in one year. And a lot of this is, uh, well, all of them are in the um, acting categories. So you have a lot of people who are being nominated for best actor, actress, and then also being uh, nominated in uh, best supporting actor, actress. So um, just some of the more recent ones, because, you know, whatever, the ones that we care about. Jessica oh. Lang in 1982, best actress for Francis and best supporting actress for Tootsie. Um, which she actually won that one. And Tootsie. Oh, Tootsie. Damn it. That Sarah. Movie's... What? I think we're glazing over the fact that in uh, 1944, Barry Fitzgerald is the reason why there's a new rule from that point forward. Because he got nominated for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor for the same movie. Oh, for Going My Way. That's right. Yeah, which only happened once. And then they made a rule that said you couldn't get nominated twice for the same performance. Really? Uh Okay, but he only won one of them. I want to see yeah, somebody he won best supporting. I yeah. want to see somebody get nominated twice in the same category for different performances and tie themselves. Oh, uh, tie themselves. That would be that would be interesting. Um, I think that people have been nominated for the same year two different roles. I think that has this, happened. This comes back really? to my whole. I think they should be nominated. I think Kate Blanchett did that one as an individual, not so much for roles. But Kate Blanchett was nominated for Best Actress for Elizabeth the Golden Age and Best Supporting for um, being Bob Dylan and I'm Not There, which was redonk. I know her performance was spectacular. I mean, she in general is spectacular. But her playing Bob Dylan was just something else. 2004, Jamie Foxx, Best Actor for Ray, which he won. And he was also nominated for Best Supporting in Collateral, which was a good movie. And then in 1993, we actually had Double. And there was Holly Hunter was nominated for Best Actress in The Piano, which she won, and Best Supporting in The Firm. And Emma Thompson 
was nominated for Best Actress in The Remains of the Day and Best Supporting for In the Name of the Father. Right. So that was kind of fun. We also have a, a I'm going to make a quick little detour here because we haven't talked about yet the very few times in Oscar history where the nomination has been rescinded as well. We talked about one this year, the Alone, I'm Alone, but not Yet Not Alone, best song for the same movie. Very, very small film. And that was uh, Dennis Spiegel, who was the guy who was nominated. But there's only been a few other times where it's happened. The very first time it ever happened was actually at the very first Academy Awards. And it was by Charlie Chaplin. Because he had gotten four nominations for Best Production, Best Director of a Comedy Picture, Best Actor, and Best Writing Original Story for a film he wrote and directed called The Circus. But uh, fearing that they, he would sweep the Academy Awards, uh, they asked him to actually decline all nominations and instead accept an honorary Oscar for versatility and genius in acting, writing, directing, and producing of the circus. So they just gave him a special award, not unlike they do every so often for sure. major accomplishments. The short subject has had uh, circumstances where it happened in, in 1931. There have also been the dramatic score nomination for The Godfather was revoked. Because it was determined that portions of Nina Rota's earlier composition from another film was replaced and used at certain parts Hmm. of it. Yeah. Recycled scores. So basically, Dennis Spiegel was a former um, governor in the music division. Basically, he used his previous Academy standing to get swayed to get nominated. And when they found out about that, they felt that was... Cheating. Cheating, exactly. It was excessive campaigning. And so they revoked it. Yeah. And they did not replace it. They did not nominate another nomination. Instead, there are now only four nominations for Best Song this year. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. Payback's a bitch. I'm just, like, looking over some of Sean's little fun facts that he pulled out. John Williams has the record for most Best Score nominations at 44. That might be the the single most nominations of any one Academy holder, too. It may be. I don't know. How many um, How many has he won, though? How many? Well, how many has Disney been nominated for? Oh, I don't know. Walt Disney? Let's find out. Because that's the only person that I think might have even come close. Right. He had a total of 59 nominations. Right. Holy wow. shit balls. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Suck it, everybody who's not Walt Disney. Okay, so I think I think Walt takes the cake. Yeah. yeah. That's cryogenically frozen head is turning in his cryogenically frozen grave. <laughs> oh, my God. And muttering something anti-Semitic. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we love you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to hell. <laughs> See, if I'm going to hell, I don't want it to be like a close thing. I don't want to get to the pearly gates and have them be like, oh man, you almost made it. Fuck it, man. <laughs> <laughs> like that, there I'm was no balls, chance. I'm going balls to the wall. If I'm going to hell, I want there to have been no chance in hell. Well, that was a really bad phrasing to, to use there. <laughs> You know, guys, I love talking about the Oscars. I really, really do. I'm so glad we did this. But you know what I'm even more excited for? What, Brian? What are you more excited about? Oh, come on. I think you can do it with a little less enthusiasm. What, Brian? Gee, Brian. <laughs> I wonder what... Gee, Brian, I wonder what you might be alluding to. What, Brian? Just spit it the fuck out! <laughs> Brian, tell us, please. We're at the edge of our seats. Well, folks, I'm excited because we are now five days away from... Our live Oscar podcast. Ah, our second annual. Second annual. I'm five days away from being in New Mexico. Wah, you can be listening. Wah. And you can, honestly, you can tweet us or you can chat in with us over Google and we will... Uh, Read your stuff on the air. Yes. Details and that goes for everybody. I think I, I think we are, we are leaning very strongly toward having a Google Plus Hangout. So we will be giving you details on Nerdonomy.com for how to join said Google Hangout. Which would be great because you will be able to live chat with us along the way. be pretty awesome. Yep. Or you can also tweet us 
at Nerdonomy or any one of our personal handles, and we will be more than happy to uh, chit-chat with you. Such as during... I'm at Brian Moriarty. I'm at Sarah Ash 16. I'm at Big Sean Mo. And Nap refuses to make a Twitter account. Fuck Dude, Twitter. Twitter sucks. Good for you, man. I barely use mine. So, um, <laughs> and just so that we're clear, it's going to start at 5:30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Sunday. So, thank you. We might even be on a little few minutes early if you want to hear us. You know, bullshit for a couple minutes, but Warm we're, we're going to try us getting played off. Exactly. <laughs> um, whatever you guys are doing on your spare time is great. Exactly. So we're super excited about that. And, you know, folks, if you have it in your hearts and your wallets, of course, Nerdonomy is a user-supported podcast, as well as advertising. But right now it's mostly users who are supporting us. So if you do have it in your heart and in your wallet, you can head to Nerdonomy.com and click on that donate button. And no donation is too small, nor is it too large. We are one payment away from paying off our computer. Woohoo! We're almost debt-free. Almost debt-free. And knowing uh, our luck... As soon as it's paid off, all the viruses from the porn is going to destroy it. I'm pretty sure the proper plural of virus is viri. Viri? <laughs> <laughs> all them damn computer viri. <laughs> anyway, guys, we love you all, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week at our live Oscar podcast, and we want to interact with you live, so please tune in. Details will be on nerdonomy.com. Go to the, the website. As well as the, the interwebs through our social media. Real quick, I'm just going to throw this in there to, to say this. It's just a live commentary track. So if you are watching the Oscars live, you can play the episode along and, and hear what we have to say. Or if you are recording it on DVR and you're watching it at a later time, the episode will be released on Tuesday, so you can listen at a later date and, um, you know, save up. Uh, it will be unedited. We will just be literally taking it the way it was, and you may have to fast forward, you may have to pause. So, because Sean honestly will kill himself if he has to edit all that work. I can't edit it because if I edit it, the time won't line up correctly. Exactly. You're like, pause for commercials now. <laughs> and then when the commercials end, we can back up. Okay, here we are. Well, we'll <laughs> say what we'll say is we'll probably just chit chat through the commercials yeah and, i was about uh, to say you guys could do commentary of the yeah they can mute the yeah. tv yeah we may have to break it up into two parts though on the same uh, day i just... don't like this audi commercial until we meet again stay nerdy tune in to us next week not the same nerd time but the same nerd channel nerdonomy.com bye bye i love you and roll credits Famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. Hold your ground! Hold your ground! Sons of Gondor, of Rohan, my brothers, I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of man fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we fight by all that you hold dear on this good earth. I bid you, stand, men of the West! Uh, are you done? <laughs>